I remember it being really, really, really dark. It was, it was one of those nights in a kind of a new moon phase, if you're familiar with moon phases. Uh, in a new moon, you, 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 don't have, you have very little moonlight, if, if any at all. But the, the sky was like super, super clear. I, I looked for a picture, and I, this is about as best as I could, I could do. I, I, I found one finally that would represent kind of what I remember seeing that night. I had stopped on, on this plateau. I was about 9,000 feet uh, up and in the Rockies and, and I had a pack on and I had my rifle and I was on elk hunt and, and I was by myself and, and I, I was in about a foot of snow and it was one of those nights that, you know, you felt like you could see Jupiter, you know, it was, it was that clear, you know, you've been out, remember night, you've seen nights like that where it's like you're out of the city, there's nothing near you and it's just like it's clear as clear can be and, and the worst thing you want to do when, when you're on a long trek like that is start sweating. Uh, you, you can get hypothermia, you get wet, you're going to get cold, you get cold, you may get sick. And, and uh, so you just really try to pace yourself. And, and I remember stopping. And, and uh, while there was hardly any moonlight, I, I remember uh, I could see my breath up against the clouds. It was about three in the morning, and it was as black as black could be. And I'd stopped on this plateau in, uh, in, out in the Rockies, they call them parks. So it was the first time I kept hearing people talk about parks. And I'm like, man, there must be a lot of amusement parks, you know, in the, in the Rockies. And that's what they call a field in, uh, in Tennessee, right? So it was this huge field, uh, if you will. And as I was standing there, there was something that just kind of really changed the game for me. I, I, I can still see it in my mind. The thing I love about the Rockies is that you can see forever. When I say forever, I mean, I, I've stood at 12,000 feet before, and you can, I don't know how to measure mileage, but I mean, you can see for what seems like forever. And I remember standing, and I could tell it was on a whole other mountain, uh, probably seven, eight miles away from me, but it was so clear you could see. And, and there was this, on, there was no road. I'd, I'd been on that mountain years before on that one particular mountain, and I knew it was miles and miles and miles away from me, but there was a light. And I could see it in, off in the darkness just like that, and I, I began to watch it, and I thought, what is going on? And, and it, it made you look. I mean, you know, when you're in something that black and that dark, you can't see your hand in front of your face, it made me look, and I couldn't quit looking at it, and I, and I finally realized it was, it was an ATV. It was a guy on a four-wheeler uh, miles and miles away. I could see him slowly moving, and the light was tiny. But what was interesting about it was, was that way off in the distance, what, what was probably five, six, seven miles from me, small little me in the dark of night, the only thing that penetrated that thing was one small light, but yet that one small light could be seen Forever, it seemed like. It, and and, and about, every, about every five minutes, I found myself stopping and like checking on that guy. Because like, where is he now? Because he made you look at him. He dominated it. He commanded your attention. Today, we're going to read a story that's a true story. It's, it's probably one of my all-time favorite passages of Scripture about light that's commanded. So we're going to talk today about the reckoning of Christmas because I think that's what it is. I want you, if you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. I, I, I didn't really know exactly how to title today's topic, but just like that day in Colorado, that light made me deal with it. Well, 
There's a reckoning there that I think we had to deal with. What I love about the Gospel of John is that Matthew, Mark, and Luke start out with narratives. Matthew and Luke specifically, they start out with narratives, not John. John started out his gospel in an entirely different way. And in John chapter 1, he says this, in the beginning was the word. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, that's a, a, a metaphor for Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He, Jesus, he was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and that life was the light of men, all of mankind, if you will. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, or your Bible may say didn't overpower it. Verse 6, it says, "There, there came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. John, he was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. That's Christ. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and, and, to the, and those who were his own did not receive him. One of the saddest verses ever. But as many as did receive him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or not of the will. In other words, they weren't born of the natural man, but they were born of God. And the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. You know, that, that verse right there in verse 14, and the word became flesh. Boy, think about that. You know, for, for the first time, God was no longer an idea. He was actually skin. You could grab him. For the first time, God wasn't just a philosophy. You could walk up to him and you could look in his eyes. Don't you wish the Bible told us what color Jesus' eyes were? I think about stuff like that. God was accessible. The word became flesh and he dwelt among us. It's strange, isn't it? I mean, it's really strange, no kidding. You know, if, I, if I'm being completely transparent with you this morning, uh, in the last, I don't know how to benchmark time. I'm actually pretty bad at benchmarking time. I can tell you, you know, oh, the other day, and it's like five years ago, I, uh, I'm pretty bad that way. But in the last five to seven years, if I'm being completely transparent, Christmas has been a pretty big struggle for me. And, and I don't really know why. I mean, I love Christmas music. I mean, I, start listening to, I started listening to Christmas music in November. You know, praise God for Spotify and Pandora, and, you know, you can put your hit list together and all that, and... And I, I love Christmas music. And I love putting the lights up, man. You know, hanging the lights and, and all, all that that goes through. And, you know, you get mad and, and all the stuff you have to do. But then you like it when you finally plug them together. And it's a glorious Clark Griswold moment. And it's awesome. And, but Christmas has not, not been easy for me at times. And, and, I, and I wonder why. And I get mad at myself. And I, and I wish it wasn't true, but it is. And I think, I think it's because, and this is, this is my 
my thought on it. I think it's because every year, it's, it's gonna, unless the Lord comes, we're going to do it again next year. Unless the Lord comes, we're going to do it again the year after that. We're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. And, and, I, and I find myself trying to find, you know, what, why is it? And the only, the only thing that in the last few weeks as I've had that thought, I've, I've come to the conclusion, what, what is Christmas for Jason? And what is Christmas for you and me? And I think Christmas is this. I, I think Christmas is an annual reminder. It's, it's a flag in the ground. It's a stake. It's like a crossroads, a reckoning. You, 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 you have to deal with it. Like I had to deal with that light that day in the Rockies. I had to deal with it. Christmas is an annual reminder that only Christ can rescue me from myself. That's what Christmas is, right? In fact, I wrote it down for you so you could d- just kind of put your mind around it. Christmas is an annual reminder that only, only Christ can rescue me from myself. Because, see, the one thing about the darkness when you read about John, and he's talking about spiritual darkness. He's not talking about actual darkness. He's talking about spiritual darkness. The, the, the thing about the darkness is that the darkness doesn't self-correct, right? Darkness doesn't self-correct. Darkness can't get more light. It just can't do it. It, it takes an injection of an outside agent. Something has to, to come into the, to the situation. It can't, it can't self-correct. But there was a day, you know, the Bible says right there in, in verse 1 that, that in the beginning was the word. Jesus was in the beginning. He was in the beginning with God. There was never a time that Jesus wasn't. He was, he was in the beginning and there was a time in the, in the garden, the Bible tells us at the very beginning, that God walked among us, and, among Adam and Eve, that is. They had access to God, and, and there was, it was nothing but light. There was no need for light. It was all light, right? It was all light. There was a time when Adam and Eve were around. There was no pain. But can you imagine life without, like, joint pain? That was funnier in my head than you made it out to be, but, but it, imagine, imagine life when there's no disappointment. Imagine, imagine life without being disappointed in somebody. Imagine, imagine life when, think about this for a second. Imagine life when there's no, that you, that somebody would have to explain to you what shame is because you've never felt it. Think about that. You see, there was a time when there was no shame. There, everything was in perfect harmony with God, and then, and then the shadows came, didn't they? The shadows came because... Adam and Eve, and just like you and me, we demanded our way. We put our foot down, and we said, I want to do it my way. And so God let us do it our way, didn't he? It's the thing about his heart, that he loves you enough, he gives you the opportunity not to love him back. It's pretty amazing. And so Christmas is this annual reminder. It's this annual reminder for me. It's like this flag in the ground. It's this reckoning point where, where among all of Christmas, I have to realize that it took Christ, 
It took Christ to rescue me from myself. Why? That's the question. I mean, why, did he, why in the world would he do that? Well, you know, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible, right? The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. And, it, and you're in a great gospel right now. And if, if you want to turn a page, just one page to the, to the right, in John chapter 3, John tells us something that Jesus said. In John chapter 3, verse 15, Jesus said something. He, he gave us a self-disclosure. Of, of, of his mission, right? And, and he says this, Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, a lot of people can quote that verse, but I really think they should read more. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world. Now, I want to stop there for a second. This isn't judge like MTV would tell you it's judge. This isn't judged like CNN would tell you, that's, or, or any type of pop culture. This isn't judging. No, that what he's saying is, no, that, that comes later. You see, there's going to be a time in human history when Jesus splits the sky. Whether you want to believe in that or not, it doesn't matter. There's going to be a time in human history where Jesus is coming. And on that day, he's going to judge. But that day's not there yet. Aren't you glad? Not yet for those that aren't in Christ. He says, so, so God, he, does, he's not, he, he didn't come to judge in that moment, but, he, but that the, it says in verse 17 that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18, so John 3, 18, he who believes in Christ, he who believes in him is not judged. But, pay attention, he who does not believe has been judged already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world. The reckoning. The light. This is the judgment. It's, it's, it's reckoning. You have to deal with it. And it says that men love darkness rather than the light. This is the judgment. Verse 19. That the light has come into the world and men, mankind, mankind love darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light. And does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. Why? Why would, why would Christ come to this world? Why would he, why would he do it? It, it? He said it of himself. It's, it's because he loved. I, I, it made me think of, um, if you heard that clanging noise a minute ago, that was me dropping the funnel. Um, during the offering, it made, me, it made me think of a funnel. You know a funnel. This is a way cleaner funnel than my funnel at my house. A funnel is one of those agents that you put between two things. And you take a whole bunch of something and you force it into this to get it into a much smaller something. You take a whole bunch of something and put it into this to make it into a a palatable form, a, 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 something that can, can go into something else. And, and, and that's exactly what I think when, when I think of the word what became flesh. The word of God, all of God forced into this forcing cone. And, and, it's, and it all, is that, do you have, I have trouble putting my mind around that. That he would, 
care so much about ransoming his own creation that walked away from him because the deeds were evil and, and rejected the light, that he would care so much and love so much that, that he, would, he would become, he would choose to become all of God forced into the forcing cone into flesh and bones and sinus infections and joint pain and sweat and people that don't like you and people that turn away from you and people that disappoint you. He would take all of that on purpose. I mean, that's, that's really hard at times for me to get my mind around. And, and the thing I kept thinking of, and I think this is one of my struggles with Christmas often because Christmas is a reckoning. Christmas, it, it is that time where we know that it's an annual reminder that, that God sent Christ to rescue me from myself. And, and every time I think of that, it, it really doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't make sense to me that God would do that. That's how far he would go. That's how far he would go. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that he would walk on water. It doesn't make sense that he would raise Lazarus from the dead. It doesn't make sense that he would come and turn water into wine. It doesn't make sense that when he would face the demons, they knew exactly who he was. It doesn't make sense that he would go to a cross. It doesn't make sense that he would come out of a grave. It doesn't make sense that he would, he would send the Holy Spirit. It doesn't make sense that he would give us a word. It certainly doesn't make sense he'd give us a church. I mean, all of these things, it, it really doesn't make sense. I wouldn't do that for me if I had treated me like that. Christmas is this annual reminder that it took Christ to, to, to rescue me from, from, from myself. And all of, all of creation, all of God himself, all of the fullness of God dwelt in bodily form, forced into the forcing cone of existence. So it is an annual reminder. Christmas is this annual reminder that, that it took Christ to save me from myself, to rescue me. In a few days, you're going to go to a tree, maybe like this, got ornaments on it. You're going to exchange gifts, and it's awesome. You know, when, when, you're, when you're young, Christmas is like you're plotting Christmas in February, and what you want. You're going to sit in front of this tree, and you're going to open gifts. But I want to, I do want to say that you and I, you and me, we are soaked, like saturated in shame. If we don't stop for a second or even a few minutes and realize that it took Christ to save me from myself, and that's why I'm in front of that tree. We are, we are blinded by darkness. I mean, blinded by darkness. If, if, if we can't stop when you open those gifts and realize that Christmas is an annual reminder of just how far God had to go because of how far we'd gone. 
Now, when you, you look at Christmas, so you, you ask yourself, you're like, what, what are we going to do with it? Like, what, what are we going to do with Christmas? Well, you can do a lot of things with Christmas. Christmas has been fun for me this year. You know, like the tree lighting, we went down to that. I think all of Franklin came. Um, it was great, though, you know. Saw all kinds of people, some I hadn't seen in a long time down there. You know, so Christmas is a thing where you can, like the, the, the tree lighting there in downtown Franklin, Christmas is one of those times that you can celebrate it, right? You, you, can, you can celebrate Christmas. You can survive Christmas. Some of you are surviving Christmas right now. I was driving down 65, coming home. I'd run an errand over in Brentwood yesterday, and, and as I come across, I'm going down 65, and I look over at Moore's Lane, and I was, I was praising God <laughs> that I did not have to exit Moore's Lane for all of those morons trying to get into that mall. Maybe you were one of them, right? I'm just kidding. You know, I, I go at like, you know, if I have to go to the mall, it's in like June. No, bless your heart, man. And I'm looking at all those red taillights, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Look at that. I'm so glad I live somewhere else than there in that place. So Christmas can be celebrated. Christmas can, you can survive it. You know what? You can even serve it, right? You can serve Christmas. A lot of you do these awesome things. You, you volunteer at places. You give extra money to nonprofits, and you give extra money to us, to the kingdom of God. And Chris, you can serve Christmas, and you take your family, and you do cool things like, you know, and you take packages to people, and you start looking out for people that maybe get overlooked. And so Christmas is one of those things you can celebrate, and, and you, can, you, can, you can survive it, or you can even serve it. But there's one thing, there's one thing you cannot do at Christmas. And that is, you cannot not deal with it. It is a reckoning. And just like that light, that cold, cold night, standing in the clarity, when I was forced to deal with the light, you can do a lot of things with Christmas, but you cannot look past it. It's an annual reminder that it took Christ to rescue you from yourself. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overpower it. 